Previously on Crit Chat. Well, it debuted January 20th, 1998. Oh, okay. So, was, yeah, like more than 20 years ago. Which was two days after Stone Cold Steve Austin won his second Royal Rumble by eliminating Rock. When they brought that camera in and shit, you only thought it was the fucking best friend. You didn't even know Jen was there until she's all like, um, hey guys, I think I'm just gonna go because, uh, obviously Joey fucking hates me. Yeah, she was not an Orange Cassidy to those best friends because she was not welcome in that room at all. No, not at all. So Abby then says, because they're like, well, why are you here then? And she's talking shit to Joey. And Abby's like, oh, you ever heard of a little drug called ecstasy? You ever heard of a, like a gangbang or something like that? You ever heard of the boys' locker room? Like, implying that there was an ecstasy gangbang in the boys' locker room. And they all just, no like, fine. bought it. It's not what she really wants. She wants to be able to dress like she always does. And act the way she always does. <laughs> and have Dawson be all about it. Oh, my God. That was fantastic breakdown. <laughs> She didn't put down Gramps. Uh, Gramps got put down, but by his own yeah, body. She didn't. I mean, like, part one of Gramps' plan is already in place to get clipped. I don't want to wait. 50 Randy Quakes presents a brand new podcast that we call Creek Chat. He's our host. His name is. It's finally happening. Welcome to 50 Randy Quaid's Presents Creek Chat. I am your host, JT Bomber Bertha Money, and with me, my co host as always. Well, it's me, Russell Problems, aka Chucky B. Wah, 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 wah. Chucky B. Chucky B. Chucky B. Chucky B. I'm gonna stick with Russell Problems uh, for the remainder. Hey, that's my that's my real name. Russell Problems. Um, so what we're here that's what it says on my license. What we're here to do is talk about the first three episodes of season two of Dawson's Creek. It's a hell of a three pack. It really, man. And what's nice is, and I'm just gonna take this right off the top here because it's been something that's been treated as inconsequential they really bring you the mitch and the gale in the first three in a way that was like oh shit this is a major thing now this is a focus of the show that it wasn't before at least it didn't feel like and that was really nice to see because now you know those characters are important yeah they were they they had a lot to contribute in big ways that also felt like just different storylines outside of storylines conflicting with the other characters. Yeah, they were having their own storylines that in Mitch's case involved introducing an entirely new character we'd never seen before. His best A divorce lawyer. His best friend since like fourth grade. So his his Pacey. Of course his Pacey yeah. has an open marriage. Um so before we get into the meat of this thing here, and before I give you the, the episode breakdowns, uh, I'd said on the season finale that I had a, one piece of trivia, and then probably the last piece of trivia I'd have for you. 
Well, that was a fucking lie, people, because I got a couple more pieces of trivia for you right here and right now. And I don't know when I'll have more, but I've got these. He's got the trivia treats for you. So the first one has to do with the connection between the show and the OC. And I want you to guess which person who starred on the OC did read for Pacey in an audition. Ben McKenzie. Adam Brody. Really? Yup. So Seth was trying out to be Pacey. He's a much better Seth. Yeah. I don't think he could have pulled... Well, he didn't couldn't pull off what Joshua Jackson's pulling off. No, Joshua Jackson's doing a hell of a job as Pacey. So now the second bit of trivia has to do with another thing that came up last episode... Like I don't see age I don't see I don't see Seth rocking these fucking uh frosted tips. Oh hell no. Not at all. He had a different hair game going on that I mean, well let's be fair, Pacey didn't rock the frosted tips for very long either. Those got fixed very quickly. Yeah, those were bad. Yeah, you know what? I had I didn't even I had frosted tips, but I also had my whole head bleached at one point, like Right in this time frame, eighth grade, and I did it like eighth grade and freshman year, and maybe even some of seventh grade, I don't remember, but right when they were doing it on Dawson's Creek, I'm out there frosting my tips, I'm wearing Hawaiian shirts like Pacey's wearing, sometimes I'm wearing sweater vests like Dawson, like I may as well have been watching this show and just ripping off the fashion, because I was dressing like all these motherfuckers. Oh, that's fantastic. But so another thing that came up last episode was you... Not liking the music of Dawson's Creek and me going, oh, I'm loving it, right? So right before season trash, right before season two, or I'm sorry, right after season one finished airing, they released a soundtrack to Dawson's Creek uh, in April of '99, and it was a major success worldwide. it re- Garbage. It reached the top of, and you'll find this interesting because it is the inspiration for one of your beautiful voices. It reached the top of the Australian albums chart and also peaked within the top in Austria, Norway, Sweden, and the United States. Uh, during its first six months of release, the album sold more than 1.5 million copies worldwide and was certified triple platinum by the Australian Recording Industry Association. And gold by the RIAA. It was the fifth highest selling album of 1999 in Australia. They were loving the Dawson's Creek soundtrack in Australia so hard in 1999, Chucky B. That's pretty super hard to believe, but I mean, I'm not doubting your fucking research. I I didn't research anything. That's ripped directly from Wikipedia, so you can blame them if it's wrong. But I believe I believe that dude. That shit was. I remember the music from Dawson's Creek being a big deal. The theme song alone was a massive hit. Outside of Dawson's Creek being a factor. Oh, I know that. I've seen a lot of videos on YouTube. I haven't watched them, but I, I know they're there. Okay, so I think we're ready to do the breakdowns here uh, of the episodes. We're also going to get to your predictions that you gave us for those episodes. And I got a prediction that you said. What's that? When we get to those predictions, 
So before we even get to the episodes, we're going to go with the overall season-wide predictions that you made. But what did you say to me about predictions? Oh, there was something that you said in the season one finale, and you were fucking dead wrong on it. What did I say? You said that, and I agreed with you, so I was also dead wrong, but you championed it, that fucking Jen was going to have nothing to do with wanting to get back to Dawson. And all I've seen her do is throw herself at him. The problem with me... Over and over and over again. And and you know what? I will own that. I was wrong about that. But the reason that I'll give you is it's been a long time since I've seen it in my mind. I'm jumping straight to what she's doing after all of this bullshit. And even more specifically, the catalyst for why she stops doing all this bullshit and does some other stuff. So I forget that all of this even happened, which makes it really awesome to watch because I'm like, fuck, there's Jen being a bad girl. So I'm glad I was wrong. But yes, I was wrong. I was wrong. I just think it's funny to point out. Well, let's let's see what you predicted. Um, and just because you aren't right within the first three episodes doesn't mean you aren't right. Let's say that because these were season wide. Uh, we'll meet Pacey's dad, especially since he's the chief of police. <coughs> chief of police. You referred to him as Sheriff Dad the Dickhead. Um, <laughs> and the mom will really never see her, just see her in passing. Um, his dad comes up a bunch here. So, like, they're still dancing around dad. You gotta believe that at some point you talk about a motherfucker enough he's gonna show up. That's what I'm saying. Uh, more fleshing out of Pacey's character traits. Uh, his dad will kick the shit out of him at some point, you said. Um, yeah. Time will tell. I still believe it. Time will tell. Your prediction, Jen's going to start out as a nice girl with the religious thing. And then it will morph into something else where she becomes a little devious with it. And her and Abby are going to become friends. So you nailed the her and dad, Abby becoming friends thing. Like, got that. The rest of it, yep. no, no religious whatsoever. She goes back to New York, Jen. Yeah. The worst Jen. I was a little off on that part, but... That's fair. We were both wrong, remember? Um, Joey and Dawson were going to break... Yeah, but I haven't seen this show. Joey and Dawson... Fuck you. Joey and Dawson will break <laughs> up and get together no less than three times in season two, and things will start to go sour within two episodes. Um, that's right. You definitely got the... Got sour within two episodes thing. They didn't break up, but... Yeah, I mean... And I don't know. Now I'm kind of thinking that, like... I don't know if they... Ah! It's so hard to tell. Well, again, they definitely had a big fucking argument over Dawson being a jack-off in episode two. So, like... Well, he's always gonna be that. Because that's his biggest character trait, is that he's a narcissistic piece of shit. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to give... So your prediction for episode one, The Kiss. Uh, It's all about breaking down the kiss between Joey and Dawson that ended season one. That's going to be a big, pacey episode because he's going to be there for Dawson as his only guy friend. Uh, It was, I mean... Pacey had got his own storyline here, so it was big in that way, but not because he's Dawson's best friend. No, it's because he's going to get his future girlfriend and Andy. And they didn't. That's a good prediction. Um, 
And they didn't really break down Joey and Dawson's first kiss. It was more about getting to the second kiss that they made a big deal about. But let's go ahead and agreed. Let's go ahead and hear the breakdown of the episode and, and see what really went down there. After their kiss at the end of season one, Dawson and Joey have doubts about the future of their relationship as Joey is still mulling over plans to go to France. Meanwhile, Pacey plays a trick on a new girl, Andy, but later finds himself the victim of her revenge trick on him. And dude, they're... I love their bickering. It's so fucking awesome. Like, the chemistry that the actors have together works super well. That's, like, a big thing that, like, leads me to believe that they're gonna end up, like, getting together on this show because they have such good chemistry and why not why why are you introducing us to these new secondary characters that are going to become big characters such as abby and andy that well that's like they're really telegraphing the pacey and the andy getting together thing like they're not trying to hide that that's where this is headed like by the by the end of episode three it's like okay are they going to be dating by the end of episode four? Oh, but maybe not because there's a big surprise at the end of episode three a big old yeah. a big old dangle surprise um so you're go ahead no okay so you're pre- i was about to spoil it no we're gonna oh no let's hold on to that one we can spoil a lot of things and there's no reason not to spoil it but i really want to hang on to that one if i had read you if we'd done this in a different way and i had read you the title of episode four it would have given away the surprise though so good thing that didn't happen uh but episode two crossroads didn't give anything away uh you guessed the first issue with dawson and joey uh, see if they can handle hardships along the way, which, I mean, they did. They, it did, and they did. Crossroads. You're guessing someone comes back into Joey's life, which is not really the case. Crossroads. Dawson went back into her journal. Then you guess that Billy comes back for Jen, but she loves Jesus. Crossroads. So, <laughs> Billy... Billy did not show back up. Someone else from New York showed back Lord up. Jesus. No, no Jesus either. No, she is not loving Jesus. She's loving Jen and booze, champagne, and Abby. And Dawson. I see. And and Abby cannot understand why. Abby doesn't understand a lot of things. She understands manipulation. There's no doubt about that. She's good at that kind of shit. But she's real dumb. When, like She just used her brain for less devious shit. She could be doing so much better for herself, but she's such a piece of shit. She's such an asshole. Agreed. Okay. She's a bitch. Um, but what actually happens in episode two? Dawson violates Joey's privacy by reading her journal. And I can't stress enough how much of a fucking asshole he is for doing that. Seriously. Yeah, but is it is it something that you wouldn't think that this fucking Dawson wouldn't do? Just because... I'm aware that he's going to do something stupid, not just because I've seen it, but because you're right, this is something he would do. Does it make me less fucking mad that he did it? Like, it's still a shitty thing to do that I'm like, you fucking don't. What What do you think? Why do you need to do that? For what purpose? May, not, not even if she left it open, but it's not even like she left it open. It was closed. He had legitimately snooped there. Bullshit. Yeah, it's just how Dawson But is. that's not the end of it, because... Whew. Dawson unreasonably gets upset about what he finds... And forgets Pacey's 16th birthday. That's his best fucking friend. He forgets his birthday. That is unforgivable. I don't care about it. Well, Ooh. because his his bestest friend is Dawson. Ugh. 
Andy gets her brother Jack a job at the ice house. Meanwhile, Abby and Jen start to bond. Which they absolutely do. Yeah. So, uh, episode three, Alternative Lifestyles, uh, a gay character is introduced, more prominent than Cliff. Now, there were no there were no gay characters that were introduced, but uh, the two gym junkies did end up role-playing a gay couple with no problem throughout this episode, which was nice to see. But maybe, in your guess, they might be bisexual, though, because... It- but the alternate lifestyles ended up just being, like, the kid's project. Yeah, it was an economics class thing where they role-played a specific economic Which, lifestyle misleading misleading maybe intentionally so uh but let's hear about that uh an economics class project pairs dawson and jen as husband and wife and isn't that fucking convenient pacey and andy is a married couple equally as convenient and joey is a single mother with two children that also seems convenient Jen tries. Everything is convenient. It's not so. I love it. Like it's so. That's like you're breaking it down and they're reading these out. And again, I know I've seen this before, but it's like this is exactly how it needs to be written. I don't care how obvious it is. There's a reason it's obvious because it's the right decision. Jen tries to use the project to get closer to Dawson. Once again, no shit. Flaunting and flirting in increasingly obvious ways. And when they say increasingly obvious, that is no joke. Yeah, she basically was like hey you wanna fuck she all but said those exact words and the meaning was perfectly clear to everyone pacey gets to know more about andy's troubled family life and joey begins to see that she has a chance of success in the real world while doing her project solo i'd really like the pacey and the andy dynamic in this one too uh and when pacey was a total dickhead to her as a hypocrite doing the same thing to her that she did to him but he came back and he ate that crow later and he's like, dude, I'm really fucking sorry. And she's like, yeah, that's fine because me and you, we're about to start fucking. But then a black cloud rolls on over Cape Side. Woo woo! We know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing my dance. So in the kiss, it's just as much, and I'm thinking your prediction was obviously a, a a decent call there. Like, of course, it's going to deal with the kiss that just happened. But it really did, like I said earlier, have almost more to do with leading up and building to the second kiss. The, the, the rational kiss. The one that you think about. The one that Joey described after she gave it, which made it really fucking weird. More importantly, I think we should acknowledge the fact that of course, I am still 100% and undefeated in the calling of the best friends starting off or ending in the bedroom in the opening scene. You've got 16 straight right now. You got 16 straight. Yeah. And in the 16th, yeah. the 16th one was the ultimate like fake job because in it, Dawson, in terms of like this being a really solid episode stretch of three to have, because in the final home stretch, like, oh, is Chuck going to be right? Is he going to keep the streak going? She's hidden in the closet and revealed yes. at the very end. And you're like, well, as soon as you see the ladder coming down and him and Mitch walking and talking, like at first I'm thinking in my head, oh shit, that's the end of the streak. But then it clicked in my head because they're talking about sex. I'm like, oh no, 
Shit, that's right. Joey's definitely in there right now. <laughs> so I was fucking loving it because I wrote that shit down for sure. But for the first time in their relationship's history, it's all very sexual. Because this one, well, this one, I guess in the opening, this wasn't quite sexual. It's a little more romantic because it's the first kiss and etc. But the next one, it opens up and they're just making out hardcore while a sausage making commercial's happening in the background. And uh, uh, the the best part is I wrote down that uh, Mitch and Gail come in and bust them and they're just making out on the bed. And Dawson's like, you remember Joey, right? Oh, dude, such a funny line. But what made it extra weird to me is that Mitch tried to be, like, real quiet and smooth and, like, creepily reached over and turned the TV off, like, real quietly. I'm like, why don't you just, like, walk in and, like, knock, knock, knock on the door to get some attention real quick instead of being creepy and turning the TV off instead? I didn't even notice that. Oh, yeah, his hand just kind of creeps in and turns the TV off. And I think maybe they clear their throats when even the silence doesn't break up the hot makeout session that's happening but it's like just knock on the door they're gonna hear that turn the tv off in the background in the throes of passion you're just gonna stand there and watch your teenage son and his teenage girlfriend make out for like 30 more seconds and that seems i know they're looking for new things to do as a couple gail and mitch but that seems like a weird thing to do as a couple yeah that's not appropriate for tv so Joey's reaction to the kiss is she pulls back and she's like, you kissed me. Like, she can't even fucking believe that it happened. She still has a hard time believing Dawson actually kissed her right here and right now, even after it's gone down. Oh, yeah. But you know what? They get right back to their old dynamic by arguing within seconds of kissing each other the first time. Bickering about whether they should have kissed her or not. Like, they're the dumbest fucking idiots in the world. And, like, do Dawson, like, almost... I wrote down that Dawson almost screws it up again. And then again saves himself within the last seconds. Just by kissing her again. Like, he doesn't come back and say anything and fix the weird situation. And to be fair, they're both being weirdos here. But he's just like an extra weirdo. She looked like she was being very obvious that she wanted to also, like, continue, like, making out. And he's like, oh, what's going on? It's his first makeout, man. He doesn't know what's going on. It might have been his first boner. Oh, no, they've talked about him walking the dog before so but then we get mitch and gail uh, by bed. that he means jerking it no i don't want to talk about that i do want to talk about mitch and gail being in bed though like to open the episode after Dawson, i wrote that they're still not having sex definitely still if, if they are it's infrequent and it's probably uncomfortable like it's what she's obviously always trying to nail mitch right now she's like sex can fix this and she shows that throughout this whole thing that she's been trying like put on the makeup put on the lingerie she says she get buys a whole bunch of marital aids that's sex toys chuck and then like maxed out her victoria's secret credit card she's telling all this to grams who's super weirded out by it um and grams is like well at least you're married and i feel like once in a while mitch is probably throwing her a bone no pun intended but they're clearly not having the kind of sex life they used to have. That Dawson used to be like, y'all are having sex everywhere all the time. I'm sick of it. Like, that's not happening anymore. And it's because of him. Cause of, well, I mean, I could understand Dawson, like, saying that. If at, like, 2 in the afternoon he wants a Pop-Tart and then he walks into the fucking, you know, pantry and sees his parents banging. Like, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. 
So one of my favorite things about everyone heading back to school here, and this being an actual new season of the show <laughs> that they had to film, um, everyone had gotten haircuts in the interim. So how do we fix that these guys have new haircuts now? Well, let's just put them in the hair salon, and they'll talk about girls while getting haircuts. Oh, yeah, that was pretty funny. Very smooth. And Pacey gets the frosted tips, which Andy fixes for him later. Well, she- so... I wrote down that uh, Andy crashes into. No, I'm pretty sure the he cop crashed car. into her. Wasn't he parked on the side of the road and he pulled into traffic? He hit her. Yeah, but he blamed her. I know what he did, but I'm pretty sure that he pulled out in front of her in traffic. Like the kind of person she is, if someone yells at her like that, she's gonna go, "Oh, I must have done something wrong." Like I think that's pretty clear after three episodes. She's a very high, strung, anxious nervous kind of person so a very young looking 16 15 year old cop tells you that you hit his car (laughs) you're gonna freak out officer pacey officer pacey stole his dad's cop cruiser too he doesn't just steal the family jeep he steals his dad's cop car no it was dougie's oh that was dougie's oh that makes it better i guess it makes it better yeah because at one point he says doug's gonna kill me Okay, that's good. So he's not stealing the chief of police's car, just a regular officer's car. Deputy, no, yeah, Deputy yeah. Doug. Deputy Dougie Fresh. So Joey reveals, after very little hemming and hawing, that she's not going to France. And Dawson reacts like the super happy, giddy little child that you think he would react like. Very happy. But she's still worried, and I quote her here, that they're making a massive, monumental mistake... Things have always been so complicated between us. If you think you made a massive monumental mistake after the buildup that you just had and one kiss in one night later, you're like, oh, fuck, did I fuck up? Maybe you did because this is too complicated for you to handle as a 15-year-old. That's my two cents as a middle-aged man. I would say she's just feeling overwhelmed because she's getting everything she's always wanted and she's afraid that it's just going to go away because that's what she's noticed in her life is that everything for the most part falls to shit and she's just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then Jen walks in and goes, uh, oh, I got some shoes to drop or some bombs to drop. How about some g dead bombs? Uh, I need some fucking someone's shoulder to cry on seriously maybe balls to rub like dawson and joey are dealing with this issue that's been brewing for a long time and has finally come to a head and she shows up in the middle of this question of whether or not it was a big mistake and it's like oh shit my grandpa's dead i really need someone to be here for me and that's not her fault at all but that is a rough situation for everybody yeah, and then Joey's like, all right, Dawson, you need to go see if she's okay. Which is the right, that's the right call. That's a big thing of Joey to do. And to Dawson's credit, something that I did not give him credit for, he at every turn turns down Jen. He, cause, and he points it out too. He's like, you don't need. Even when she like fucking kisses him in, I think, the second episode. Well, it's all mostly because she's... Well, that's that wasn't... Abby set up that so she... Because Jen didn't know that was going to be Dawson. It was Kiss the Next Guy. 
yeah, who comes up. It ended up being She Dawson. could have said no once she realized it's, it was Dawson. It's New York Jen, motherfucker, and she didn't realize. She just turned around and kissed the person. She probably didn't even think it was Dawson. Or did she react and say it was the... She was drunk as fuck. It's New York Jen, dude. She's making bad decisions. That's where we're at now. Gma's not going to be having this. Well, well, no. Well, I guess Jen comes home from school and Gramps is going through and she's working on donating some of Gramps' clothes. And she's like, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, you're not the picture of a grieving widow. And Gramps is basically like, listen, your grandpa has basically been gone for like two years now. And I've been praying for him in his release so he can get the fuck out of this body. And he finally got that and he's in heaven and he's looking down. I gotta get rid of his shit. I gotta move on. People need this. I gotta give. I gotta serve. Jen just can't handle it. Like, this shit is just too much for her to deal with right now. She's so overwhelmed with emotion. The grief and the loss of Dawson on top of Gramps. On top of her parents kicking her out of her home. On top of a lot of shit she's done that she... Because as you see her act like New York Jen in these episodes, you can tell that she feels awful about it when she's done like at the end of episode three when she walks out after basically like propositioning dawson and he's like get the fuck out of here she just stops like hangs her head in shame like i don't know what else to do but this shouldn't be it but i'm gonna do it anyway because i'm in a hole right now and i got abby cheering me on well that doesn't help the having the one person who you are having somewhat of a fun time with is cheering you on to do everything that is bad. Because she worshipped... Because Abby is a person who wishes she lived like Jen lived. Has never done a half bad thing in her entire life outside of talk a big fucking game. And we've seen that already in the detention episode. She's a big mouth and a whole lot of bluster. Jen's the kind of person that she wishes she could be but doesn't have the... I don't know what the right word here is. I'm gonna go. Balls. I'm gonna go with guts or whatever, but it doesn't feel right because it's not a good thing courage. to try to be this person. She doesn't have the courage to be the like nasty, bad teenage girl. No, she does. She's doing that on the surface, but she doesn't have the balls to do the ecstasy in the boys' locker room. She doesn't have the balls to sleep with the doorman at a club who's got to be overage while you're underage like she doesn't have yeah what was she like 13 that she's talking about sleeping with the doorman at the rainbow room or whatever i'm like okay you're 13 in this storyline at the oldest maybe maybe 14 this guy's working the door at a bar which means he's got to be 21 at least even if he's not 21 there's no fucking bar that's putting some 17 or 16-year-old as their doorman anyway. Ain't just happening. No. Like, So that was really fucked up to hear. Like, And they just kind of casually dropped it in there. Like, yeah, the only logical way this makes sense is Jen was sleeping with really old dudes when she was 13 years old. Which, again, I just have so much sympathy for Jen and what her life has been up to this point. Because you can tell that she's a good person who's just made bad decisions. And had bad things done to her. Yeah. You feel bad for the character up until a point. But then the character seems to embrace the the evil. But like I said, is she really embracing it fully though? Is she a Darth Vader or is she a Kylo Ren? Who doesn't really fully hold on to that dark side. Because she, like I said, she, she hangs her head well, in shame throughout. Well, season. yeah, but she also 
had to get wasted to do it. Like, well, that's part um, of showing famous that she doesn't serial killers such as it. Jeffrey Dahmer had to get wasted in order to do what he had to do. Okay, you comparing and, Jen to Jeffrey Dahmer right now? And Ted Bundy. Ted you Bundy know, didn't have I mean, to get wasted. Ted Bundy was But he was always wasted, fuck. apparently. He didn't have to get wasted to do his shit, though. I want to jump back into a happier storyline, and that's when Andy goes up to Pacey in school and is like, oh, hi, Officer Pacey, you motherfucker, basically. Like, way to lie to me earlier. You had me freaking out. Like, I had a panic attack. Like, they're making clear to you right now that she clearly has a lot of nervous energy that is not working for her. Well, then she sets up, uh, uh, like, uh, a... When Pacey was getting his tips frosted earlier, he was talking about the senior cheerleader. I think her name was Christy something or other. And Andy's like, oh, yeah, I met her earlier. I can, I can, you know, set something up between you two. I can make this happen. And Pacey's like, really? You give me a date with her? Okay, sure. Yeah, and he just, she sets up a little painful rib. Oh, dude, it's like, oh, it's such a painful rib. Well, so he's under the impression that she's going to meet him later. And she's like a cheerleader or some shit. Like, the kind of girl that Pacey would dream about wanting to be with, but in reality shouldn't be chasing Should not be able to get. Not even shouldn't be able to get. Shouldn't be going after anyway. Pacey is, no offense to Christy, better than Christy. It should be shooting higher. He needs a Joey caliber chick, not a Christy caliber chick or a Nelly caliber chick. Um, yeah, but he might be shallow. I think that's kind of what they're showing here. Um, and that'll, Andy tells Christy that he's got a heart stripe. She, make, she makes up a disease that Pacey has. And Christy shows up. That's another thing that's happened before on the show. Basically, I'm showing up to tell you I can't do this thing. See you later. She's like, yeah, my boyfriend's waiting for me. She's like, boyfriend? What the fuck? I thought we were going on a date. And she's like, I just want to tell you you're brave. You know, coming out with that heart stripe. I got asthma, so I totally get it. (laughs) (laughs) And then she pieces out, and he is pissed. He is pissed. And and Andy's basically like, hey, you don't... You you deserve better than someone that doesn't even know a heart stripe isn't real. And that's when she gives him the hair dye to fix his hair and goes, no, this is not a harmful rib. This is a harmless rib. You can go fix your hair now. Yeah. and And that's real sweet. Meanwhile, everyone else is fucking at the Rialto on a date. Jen and Joey are going there. Jen and Joey, yeah, they're going on their first date. Uh, Dawson and Joey are going there on their first date. Grams is going there because she had her first date there with Gramps back in the day or something. And it's the last night. Yeah, she wanted to relive it. Yeah, it's the last night of the Rialto. And Jen pops in on Dawson and Joey again because she's really good at that. And Dawson's like, oh, yeah, we're going to the Rialto. Like, you should do yourself a favor and, like, get out tonight. Like, go to the Rialto. Grams is going. Perfect. Like, basically, like, don't don't no, don't come with us, but, like, you should get yeah, out. Yeah, like, go with Grams. Get out of the house, right? But then she decides, no, no, I'm just going to show up on your first date that I know is your first date. I'm going to sit right next to you. I'm just going to bump right in. And then afterwards, we can go get some pizza, too, right? Like, let's just hang out all night. Let's turn your first date into our first date. Or not even acknowledging that it's a date and no, just I know. being like, let's hang out. But even before all that, Joey's talking to Dawson about how weird it is that they're going on a date. 
Like, is it weird? Is it weird we're going on a date? Still just hung up in the logistics of this thing actually happening. Like, now that it's been knocking on the front door, she's still asking questions after she's opened it. You know, like, she can't quite just let go and be part of this thing. And Dawson is just a fucking idiot all the time anyway, so he's going to screw this up. But after Jen clearly feels unwelcome after sitting next to them, she storms out into the lobby. Dawson follows her because, again... This time Joey did not say you should follow her. He was like, I gotta go. She's just... <sighs> Dude, she fucking makes a suicide threat if Dawson, quote, jumps Joey right away. Like, and it, it, it wasn't... It didn't feel like a joke suicide threat like they've made on this show before. Yeah. It felt like she was very clearly... She was, she was basically like this. Hey, Dawson... Uh, I want to fuck you right now, but if you fuck Joey, I'll kill myself. No, it wasn't. I'll e- fucking do it. It wasn't even I want to fuck you right now. That doesn't come along until like episode three. It's all about emo- she wants to I don't get know, him she back. She seems super fucking desperate. No, she wants him back emotionally. She wants to date him is where we're at at this point still. She loves him and she wants to get him back. The sexual angle doesn't come in until episode three is a desperate ploy when she realizes she's not going to emotionally get Dawson back because he's with Joey now. So she moves on to the sex. Here, it's still she's in love with Dawson or thinks she's in love with Dawson and thinks that that's going to help with what else is going on in her life right now. And She needs to embrace Jesus. Well, she gets the fuck out of there, and Dawson goes back in, and Joey left. Fucking left the flower that he'd given her right on the seat, and she peaced out. And so Dawson's chasing her again, just like he was, was it last episode, the episode before? Not as long and not as far, but he's on the hunt for Joey again. At least it, like, it ends well, this episode. But, well, Graham's, Graham's... Jen's all like, like, because we see Jen again, and... She's like she gets in to home and or no she goes to the church or goes home I don't know where the no, fuck she goes. They're but in the they're in the, the like, they're in the theater. Jen's just sitting by herself in the theater and Graham's is coming and leaving like they're sitting there and they talk about oh the first, yeah yeah they yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. the first date with Gramps and they talk about you know all that kind of shit in the theater. Jen's like I got no friends. And you're my best friend, Grams. That's it's, pathetic. The sad thing is, you might be the best friend I've got, but the thing is, I'm not really sure that you like me. That's what she said, and I'm like, God damn it! Like that, she is in she's in a dark place right now. And Grams is just like, child, I love you. Like you're all I've got. You're the only person I have, which makes me think, like, what do you have zero relationship with? I think her dad is. I think Jen's dad is Grams' son. Like, if Jen's all you have, does that mean you don't have a son? What's happening there? She might be disowning the son because they are abandoning their daughter. That's true. I, I will, I'll reserve any more comment on that because we don't know a thing about Jen's dad or mom yet. So we'll leave that stand for the moment. But Grams is talking about, they watched, they watched a movie in that theater in 1998. That movie came out in 1971. And Grams's comment on how she liked the movie was, they don't make them like they used to. Grams, that was an old-ass movie. What do you mean, not like they used to? Are you talking about a movie from the 1930s? Is that what you were looking for? Is that what Yeah, she you, liked the classics when she was a kid. When she went on a date with Gramps in 1912? 
So we left off a thread that I was really happy about, and that's we find out so earlier in the episode. Yeah, Mitch Mitch goes to the divorce lawyer. Well, Gail, and well, Gail's coming. I love how he Gail does it, finds though. out how he does it though. He's being like a, a smooth dickhead because she's coming home and he's leaving and she's like oh where are you going he's like oh i got an appointment i'll be back later and just like the way he says it is just like don't fucking worry about it i'm gonna go do my thing now because you screwed up and i can do what i want so he goes yeah i kind of agree with him I, i'm not judging him i'm just saying how he's acting so he goes to the divorce but when he gets to that divorce attorney's office sitting in the office he's looking super uncomfortable and like trying to hide his face and be like ooh it's shameful to be here. Well then don't be so smug with your fucking wife when you're leaving the house to go there buddy. Like get it get it together before you go cower in a divorce attorney's office. But she figures it out later and shows up with the card and she's like we got to fix this or you got to divorce me. Pick a fucking choice and he's like yeah they both sound good though man. Yeah, he's like, he's like, sometimes he's like, he's like, it's hard when I love and hate you in equal amounts. Which shows where Dawson gets his dramatic streak from. Yeah, that's true. That's because that's like the second time he's spoken in, I choose to love you. Now I choose to hate you. Now he's doing them. I've chosen to do them both in equal measure. Like, fucking calm down, Dawson. And then, like, right at the end of the episode, Joey, she's like, she's like, I don't necessarily not go to France because of you, Dawson. She's like, it was the easy way out at resetting my life, and I've never been about taking the easy way out. I really liked that they had her make that clarification, or at least, like, add on, like, this wasn't just about Dawson. This was also about facing the problems in my life. That I feel like I would have been running from by going the world away. That was a really good touch. And then they end up making up and uh, making out on the swing sets. And that's the kiss. Two episodes in a row end with them kissing. Do we get a third in a row? Uh, I don't think so. But it does start out with them... uh... Oh, we already talked about this, the the sausage makeout uh, about, session. About them being in the bedroom. Oh, yeah. Kissing. Well, then, then Mitch starts having the sex talk with Dawson, and they fit in, like, a, a contraceptive stat in there. Like, for the teenagers viewing at home, like, you know, 90% of people that have sex without contraception get pregnant within the first three months or whatever the stat was. And then you got Gail giving Joey the sex talk too. And then right before they're leaving, Mitch has one of my favorite lines from the show uh, of, of all time. Remember Dawson, no hat, no glove. <laughs> Gail just she's like, Oh, Mitch, it's no glove, no love. And he's like, Oh, you get the picture. <laughs> no hat, no glove, no hat, no glove. Perfect. And then we see Jen in bed, depressed as hell, and Graham's singing about God to get her out of bed, which clearly isn't going to do the trick. So, Oh, I didn't even write that down. Oh, I just wrote down something about uh, Pacey's birthday and failing his driver's test on all days, and Dawson's like, like just taking a couple weeks, man. What's the big deal? Well, it starts out with one of my favorite, like, Pacey's attitude is so fucking perfect. Midterms, like I care, Dawson, I failed my driver's test. Like, 
Dawson thought he cared about failing his midterms. Like, Dawson's got to know better than that. He clearly doesn't give a fuck about the midterms. But he failed his driver's test. He'd be the first one of them to be able to legally drive. I understand that Dawson's got a new girlfriend, and it's Joey, and things are going great, and he's happy, and shit like that. But how do you not remember supposed to, like, supposed to, you were supposed to go on a road trip to Maine. And it's it's not like, okay, if you were to forget my birthday next year, I don't care. I've had enough birthdays and there's enough shit going on, like, whatever. That's a fair oversight. But if you would have forgotten my 16th birthday, I might have been a little bit peeved about that. Like, if we were best friends. Like, I guess we were good friends at 16. But, like... No, yeah, I hear you know what I'm saying, but beyond that, Pacey's pretty obvious in the scene here when he's like, Today of all days, like, especially considering we know about his home life, and he specifically said, Hey, my like, my family doesn't give a shit about my birthday, but Dawson was always there to fucking make it great. Well, then we get a pairing that I always like to see, uh, Jen and Pacey meet up. And they're talking about, you know, how Dawson and, and Joey are together now. And Jen says, I am happy for them. Or no, Pacey says that he's happy for them. And Jen's like, yeah, me too. And he immediately is like, no, you're not. And they both just kind of laugh and are like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, definitely not happy about it. Like, that's what I love about that. There's definitely no bullshit between those two ever. Like, No, yeah, they have a nice little heart to heart. There's never, but that's the thing about Pacey in most situations. He doesn't have bullshit, like, shit just gets on the table. Pacey's involved, shit's on the table. There's none of this running around and being passive, aggressive, and all of that. Like, he just comes right out and says it. It's summed up with how he just basically straight up went after and seduced his teacher as a 15-year-old with no second thought whatsoever. What does he describe it as, like, the ultimate combination of self-loathing and, like unending confidence like he's just this crazy unpredictable ball of i don't give a fuck oh the next thing i have down there then is uh jen and abby talking and then in like parentheses might they become friends like i predicted abby wants to know everything about new york might they become friends yeah this scene definitely solidifies especially that little smile on jen's face like well what do you want to know like she's ready to dip back into her old ways she's feeling lost what was that oh i just said crossroads she crosses that road pretty quickly though it seems um and then the next thing i wrote is why would Dawson look at Joey's diary? Like, what the fuck does he have to gain from this? And why would a piece of shit like him do this? Oh, because he's a piece of fucking shit. And he's, he thinks... Crossroads. And he thinks he's so fucking clever because he reads when she gets up to go do something for the baby, comes back, he's getting up, running out of the room, and she's like, where are you going? I thought you had a lot of reading to do. And he goes, um, I've done enough reading for the day. And then he leaves. I'm like, you... you cocky ass clever little bitch why you gotta throw that little line in there that she's not gonna because you know you're being clever you asshole you didn't need Mm -mm. he's just a piece of shit well pacey in the meantime is putting together a gigantic peer party because apparently a kid turning 16 can just take over a public pier and throw a party on it no problem that's just the thing you can do in cape side whose pier is this oh it's mine now i'm having a party bunch of underage kids are gonna come here and get drunk 
And uh, Pacey, that's when Pacey flips out on Dawson, who still hasn't acknowledged that it's his best friend's birthday. He calls him uh, self-centered, then... self-absorbed, and selfish. Like, just puts him on blast. Then that's what leads us to the best friends having their real first crossroads when they fight over Dawson invading Joey's privacy. Oh, well, he's like, well, what did you think of my movie? He co- he comes up with this co- convoluted reason why he was thinking about the movie. Oh, I was looking at a costume you were in earlier, and I just got to thinking about, I wonder what Joey thought about my movie, about being in my movie. Like, what did you think about my movie, Joey? And she's like, oh, I loved it. He's like, yeah, but you would be honest with me, right? You wouldn't say that it was, like, shallow, and quotes the journal right back to her, word for word. And she picks up right on that. Like you can't. And then Dawson's like, I don't think I knew you at all. And Joey's like, maybe it never did. And I'm like, oh, snap. Oh, dude, I, I'm sitting here. I'm like, Dawson, you got no leg to stand on. You got no like, You can't win this argument. Like, what are you doing? Why? I can't even sit here and enjoy watching this storyline because I have no sympathy for you whatsoever. And I know you're not going to do an adequate job making up for being this kind of a shithead either because you never do. And people keep taking you back <sighs> and then uh at first i was like oh jack may be a character that's gonna try to wedge himself between dawson and joey and then i immediately was kind of put that to bed because he's like hey you need to go make up with your boyfriend i got this shit covered well jack's funny in this episode because like he andy's like yo my brother needs a job and andy's like just have him stop by the ice house later we'll get him an interview like we're looking for someone so he shows up later when joey's busy as fuck and arguing with dawson and she's like hey do you have any like she's super flustered basically like just yelling at him like hey do you have any experience he's like no she's like all right, that's fine. Anyway, go back in the kitchen. Tell Bessie that you start working here now. So I'll see you later. And then he comes back out and he's like, yeah, but Bessie. So I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> he comes back out and he's like, you need to go tell Bessie who I am because she's not letting me in the kitchen right now. But he ends up getting the job. And then, yeah, later he's like, you guys, this is your first fight. And you're thinking like, oh, yeah, is he going to weasel his way in here and try and be a wedge between them? And he's like, yeah, but you guys haven't had your first makeup yet. Like, oh. Go home. I got this covered. But he's proven... like He tries mopping the floor by just dumping the bucket of water all over it. And then after she leaves, he breaks something. How is this guy... This guy's an idiot. He's not an idiot. As they show later, like he comes from a family of privilege. He's That's probably literally the first time he's ever mopped a floor. I'm not saying that what he did was a logical thing to do, but they're just trying to play up. That's what I'm saying. Like, Dude, the mop playing, is this. It's self-explanatory. They're playing up the fact that he comes from privilege and has never worked a day in his life. It's supposed to be ridiculous. That's the whole point of it. That's kind of what I'm, I'm giving them credit for that. Because Jack is not, I'll tell you right now, Jack is not an idiot. Like, they're, that's not what they're trying to convey. What, they're, what they are trying to convey is Mitch's friend telling him he needs to get into an open relationship because that's what's going to save his marriage. And Graham's being like, because they both get advice from different people. Graham's talking to Gail, old friend talking to Mitch. And Graham's just like, I don't like, review, renew your wedding vows or something. And Mitch is getting the advice of just go fuck other people. Mitch is like, let's go fuck everyone. He seems really uncomfortable with the idea. It's more, I I think he's just like, I don't know what else to do, so I'm going to float it and see what kind of reaction I get. 
it's not totally unappealing to me, but it's not, it's also not what I was looking for. So like, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see how Gail feels about it. And it doesn't seem to go over very well with her later when he brings it up either. Like, no, not at all. She's like, if that's what you need to do, then I guess that's what we're doing. But like, I'm not happy about this at all. And I really don't want to have an open marriage. I fucked up before. And if you need to go sleep with someone to get even or whatever, like that's fine. But I don't want an open marriage, but it, they leave that open as the episode ends. Like, you don't know where they're at on that. Um, so Jen and Abby show up at the party together. They're drinking a big old bottle of champagne. They're getting fucking hammered. Um, Pacey and Andy are ending up hanging out at the party because no one knows who Pacey is or really wants to talk to him. And Andy's new and doesn't have anyone to talk to. And I think she already kind of likes being around Pacey. Oh yeah, she likes Pacey. Well, she's she says right in this episode that she's like, yeah, I'm usually super anxious and like can't talk to anybody and get all clammy and everything. But she's like, you don't put any pressure on me. No, she's what she says is you don't make me nervous. You make me mad. Yeah, you make me mad. But it's that playful. It's that playground teasing each other kind of bickering that they're doing i think she's already kind of keyed in and he starts to key in on it by the end of this episode a little bit more but de- oh most definitely. definitely by the end of the next one but at this point in the party when he's trying to get over with all these popular kids and they're not paying him any attention he does not have any patience for andy and he's like just get the fuck away from me basically like would you would you just leave i'm not enjoying myself um Dawson shows up at this point. He's without Joey because she's working and pissed at him. And that's when Jen kisses him on the dare from Abby. Abby, looking and seeing who the next guy coming up the dock is, says, you should turn around and kiss the next guy coming up the dock. So Abby just stirring shit at every fucking turn like she's good for. Um, and then after that happens, like she's like, I really want Dawson back. Well, Dawson, Dawson's... And then Abby's like, well, we're going to get him back for you. Crossroads. Dawson's reaction to that is, what's wrong with you? Like, he is disgusted by Jen in this moment. Uh, He's not happy with the situation that's going on. Um, But he's also not happy when he finally realizes later, oh shit, it's Pacey's birthday. Um, after Pacey basically was like, hey, it's my birthday. I was like, oh shit, it's your birthday. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And Pacey's like, yeah, it feels like you've written me off just like everyone else in Cape Side has done. Like, it, it feels bad when everyone else treats me like shit, but I thought you at least thought better of me, but no, even you, even fucking you forget about me. So just fuck off. And then they ended up patching things up there at the end of the episode when Dawson's like, hey, we'll go get the fucking Mitchmobile and get the fuck out of here to, to Maine. Yeah, but before that, Dawson and Joey have to make up too where they meet on the on the pier while it's raining and then as soon as they meet up on the pier, the rain stops magically. And I'm like, talk about fucking cheesy as hell. Like, they really hit it on. Oh, yeah. They really hit it on. And it, it was like, not just that one. it just magically stopped raining, but, like, 
it stopped raining, and they like acknowledge that it stopped raining. Oh yeah, because they both looked up into the sky like, oh, what a miracle that the rain stopped. And then Joey strokes Dawson's ego a bunch and says that she saves the truce for him and that she's his biggest fan because every once in a while a narcissist like Dawson needs to have his tank filled up by someone else, and that's what she's good for here. Yep. That motherfucker. Uh Pacey and Andy also before the the trip to Maine they end up together at the end of the night and she yeah had, they have a moment well she had found out it was birthday and she had had a magic eight ball in her car from some other thing in the past so she went and grabbed that and was like hey happy birthday whatever and uh she ends up dropping it in the water and he's like well that can't be a good sign but yeah they definitely bond over that moment and that just really solidifies like yeah they're pushing this I in think that direction we're gonna. They're both going to be like, hey, we're both kind of klutzy and nobody likes us. So let's just be with each other because we've already been hanging out a bunch and we can just take it to the next level. And Pacey does. But, I mean, I, I don't want you like, you know, cheating on me with older women. Before we move on to alternative lifestyles, uh, Pacey does admit at the end of this episode that he's been stealing cars for at least three years so since he's been at least 13 years old he's been stealing at least his family's car i like to think he steals all sorts of cars and then just like puts them back where he found them later he just takes them out for an hour and then brings them back maybe he sells them and that's how he's got all the money he's got he doesn't have any money well he was able to go get a haircut dawson probably paid for that (laughs) And how does he eat lunch and everything like that? Like I assume school, his parents do nothing. School for him. lunches, they they do the they do what they have to do to not look like bad parents in terms of like you pay to school. I think it's part of the taxes, isn't it? You send your kid to school. I don't know. I've never put his kid through school before, but I think like school lunch no, is part of the No, I'm pretty sure deal. you have to pay for the lunch. They're paying for school lunch, man. Come on, his parents are gonna pay for his school lunch. And then when we were in high school, we had like. That other shit, too, that we could get. Well, those was the side we shit. We had to put but money was... on those cards or whatever. Yeah, but you don't have to. All right, let's not get too deep into where Pacey's paying for a school lunch from. I think that might be a bit And he was topic. also trying to get an apartment. Yeah, for like $250 a month. But he was talking about how he might have to get another job because he doesn't make enough at screenplay video. Yeah, so he's just going to start slanging cars that are hot that he stole. Sounds makes like, sense. Sounds like an alternative lifestyle. He's talking about uh was it a Viper in this one that he wants to get in their budget? Oh yeah. And he ended up getting the Viper. Oh he got the well he fantasy got the Viper. So we find out in this episode that Bessie leans really hard on Joey for help at the ice house. Like way harder than she should lean on a fifteen year old girl who's still trying to get through high school. Oh, yeah, like, hey, on your way to school, why don't you go do, like, an hour's worth of work? Yeah, it starts out as, like, just go, like, wipe down the countertops because there's an inspection to, oh, but can you just mop behind the fridge or the freezer while you're there? And it's like, you can't do that to her, Bess. He's going to be late for school. Oh, yeah, but she doesn't give a shit. They need to keep this going. I don't even think it's a matter of doesn't give a shit. It's just she doesn't know what else to do. And up to this point, Joey has been able to juggle these things so far. But now she got a man in her life. She got Dawson. So she's got other priorities. Speaking of men in their life, where is Bodie at? Where is Bodie at? That's a good question because they don't bring him up at all. Or he doesn't show up either. 
really kind of unexplained. Yeah, they really don't reference him even being there. They don't reference him not being there, which leads me to believe that he is there. They're just not putting him on screen because his character doesn't matter. Like, he's the cook. I think he's the one in the kitchen who's cooking all day long. Okay. Like, that's what he, he's the chef. I should say he's the chef. Like, that's his job. So I think he's there. We just don't see him because he's like, I, I, and I don't, I don't know. I know he's not a character who's gone, so that's why I guess I'm not really thinking twice about it. But you're right, he is suspiciously absent throughout this entire episode, where it's a focus that they're fucking busy and need help, because Jack is now working there. And at one point, she's even like, you can just like get the fuck out of here, and me and Jack got this shit covered. Well, because Joey does. Because Joey's complaining. Well, she's like, yeah, you are. Like, she's like, I have a life. I've got things I got to do. Like, I've got schoolwork. I've got a social life. And sometimes I just need to not be fucking doing something. Because when I'm at home, I'm also helping take care of your baby. Like, you got me run ragged. And most of this shit ain't even my fucking problem. Which isn't what she says and isn't really what she means. Because in the end... But she's venting. Well, in, in the end, like, after Bessie fires her and blah, 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 like, by the end of the episode, they have a heart-to-heart about it, and it's like, you know, I want to, Joey's like, I want to be there to help you, and Bessie's like, yeah, but I can't ride you so hard. Yeah, okay, but you're not fired, you still work there, we'll find a happy medium, but yeah, you gotta get through high school, so Jack will be fine. We'll teach Jack how to be good at this. Yeah, I mean, why don't they just hire Pacey, too, so he can get that second job? That's a good question. Pacey never asks about working there, so they probably don't. I mean, maybe he didn't. I, I I don't know. I don't know. Really, something I'd never. Plus, maybe he's before. gonna need some more time for when, you know, him and Andy start dating, and then when he's fucking Miss Jacobs on the side. I held it for two through two of the episode. Yeah, I was really hoping that you would have the the fortitude to hold it all the way to the end of this episode. I could. It's fine that you didn't. I'm glad you waited at least until this episode to spoil that. Yes, as, as Andy and Pacey are skipping away happily flirting at the end of the episode, we get Tamra creeping on him from a car like, and what's my boy up to? I, I wrote specifically, Pacey and Andy getting along great, and holy fuck, Miss Jacobs is back out of sight in her whip. Crossroads. <laughs> the crossroads continue. They don't stop. This is high school, baby. Exactly. This is high school, and sometimes teachers get involved. But this episode, basically, in the breakdown, and this is pretty straightforward, like probably the easiest to break down of all these episodes, this was broken down in the beginning. They get paired off into these groups, and Jen uses the opportunity at Abby's insistence, and very openly the insistence by Abby to fuck Dawson, not just get Dawson back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Abby is like, you need to grab him by the dipstick and like, you know, like she she did everything but say touch his penis, literally. Well, yeah, because she's like, she's like, dude, he's not interested in all. Like I show up at his house and he's making out with Joey. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, and, and that's when Abby's like, you got to fucking grab his dick and balls and just like go hey is she doing this because i'll do this well pacey and andy end up getting teamed together uh and before this very class she comes up to him and goes hey do you have the notes from the reading and he's like no and she's like well why not like do you just not have him with you he's like no i don't have the notes because i didn't do the reading 
doesn't matter. He's like, dude, I don't do work. He's like, what the fuck does that matter? She's like, what do I do if the teacher calls on him? He's like, do what I do and say pass. I can't say pass. How am I going to say pass? He's like, it's really easy. And she ends up having to say pass. And then she says pass? She has to, yeah, macro or micro. And then Kenny, smug Kenny comes in and he's like, um, macroeconomics? And then Abby gets paired with Kenny and treats him like dirt. But Pacey and, and Andy get teamed together and they end up Although they have a little spat at one point, uh, they end up bonding very well by the end of this episode, like we said. Um, And then Joey is on her own. Just like the song that she sang at the beauty contest. And uh, when when Jen is telling Abby, like, hey, um, you know, he's not interested in me. He's got Joey. And Abby's like... She can only wish to be half as good as you. You're a sex kitten. Yeah, maybe maybe Abby just wants to kiss Jen. Maybe that's where this is. Alternate lifestyles. Alternative lifestyles. But the teacher who sets all this up had himself a nice little bald spot with a teeny little ponytail at the back of it. He put together uh, a, a, the two gym junkies, like I said earlier, in a same-sex couple. And this just acts like, you know... And again, this is like 98, 99, where... I don't know if that was a super common or accepted thing to do. But the note that I made more than anything was... This teacher's doing that in the same school that we had the religious teacher in season one... That got all over Jen for the assisted suicide thing. So they got a super religious dickhead teacher, and, and then this liberal and the pedophile ponytail. teacher, and and the pedophile teacher. Oh man, they got a hell of a faculty, and then Mrs. Tringle, who seems okay. I like Mrs. Tringle, and the guy that they made sure to tell us was gay, Benji. Oh, that's right, the film teacher. So we get he's not bad. He's he's the best of all of them. Him and Tringle haven't done anything bad yet. Yeah, they seem the most normal normal uh, he seems normal tringle is not a normal woman they've made her seem uh, she seems kind of normal i feel like if you got to know mrs tringle she's a bit of a weirdo and i mean that in a good way i don't think there's much more to mrs tringle moving forward though which makes me a little sad if benji I... just kind of seems like a guy who likes movies um but so jen and then so jen and Dawson are like this like what upper class married couple so they're planning this lavish upper class taking trips sending the kids to college kind of like dream life in the scenario they've been given Andy and Pacey are more like he's a bus driver and she's a what is she? Sales clerk. A sales clerk. So they got to be a little bit more tight with their budget, despite the fact they end up with a Viper. And then Joey... Like and a one-bedroom apartment I think with jo- four kids. I think Joey was like a really successful like career woman or something, and that's where she ends up going and actually like spending a day with a really successful career woman and realizing, like, oh, shit. Because like, early in the episode, her and Dawson are talking, and she's like... Motherfucker, you know what you want to do with your life. You're going to go be this famous director, which, good luck with that, idiot. Um, And she's like, I don't know what I want to do with my life at all. Which she really hasn't, at this point, expressed, like, what her intentions are. But she realizes going out in the world and talking to this woman who didn't set up her successful business until she was in her 30s was like, oh, shit, I don't need to have it figured out right now. I can just be driven 
find my passion when I find it and be successful. So it gave her a whole lot of yeah, confidence. Sure. Like this episode was definitely like Joey can do her thing and she's learning that kind of an episode. It was a Dawson gets chased by someone he's not interested in episode. And it was a Dawson or an Andy and a Pacey grow to have a better respect for each other once he ends up reaming her out. Because he, he ends up giving her the rundown of, oh, here's my family story. I'm a this, I'm a that. My family treats me like this. The town thinks about me this way. And you're just this spoiled country club bitch. And you're rich as fuck and you don't know what anything is like. And she's like, motherfucker, you don't know me either. And she storms out of there pissed as hell. And Pacey ends up talking to Jack later. And Jack's like real mellow. That's the nice thing about Jack. Because he even, it's like, even here he's like, man... Here's the deal, like, it's not like that. Like, our family used to be rich. This is the fucking, like, the burning embers of a torch dynasty. Like, we got nothing left. And we're all adjusting to that. Like, so just give her a break, you know? It ain't so I assume we're going to figure out or find out what happened, and it's going to be a big thing for uh, Andy's character. But... Like, I'm interested to know, like, based on what Jack was saying, like, what the fuck happened? Like, did they just lose a bunch of money in the stock market? Or, like, they just have some, like, fucked up shit happen in their family and they had to spend all their money? Or I'm just going to say hang tight. Um, there will be answers. If you want to make some speculation when we get to the end here, you can absolutely be my guest because it would be worth speculating about. seems like you've already started to, but let that gestate for a moment. Well, we jump into something that hasn't really been touched on this episode, and that's Gail and Mitch. Because at this point, she's put together a nice little candlelit dinner for those two. It's Thursday night. It's date night. They've established that now. Mitch comes up to her, and he's like, listen, I've decided Thursday nights, date nights. The only thing is gotta be honest with each other just tell each other the truth about what happened we can do what we want so on a thursday night she puts this little candlelit dinner together he's like sorry i got a place to go which is just him going to a bar by himself like he didn't have plans yeah well he's like hey i got plans which he didn't his plans were i just don't want to be with my wife tonight and i created thursday night open marriage night as an excuse to just leave the house and not be with my wife and she does the same thing. She goes to a coffee bar. Like, she doesn't go to the bar bar. She goes to get some coffee and just sits. And they both look super awkward and uncomfortable the whole time. They're not with each other. And out yeah, they're not places. socializing with anybody, really. He says he danced with someone. I don't believe it. She says she caught up with an old friend and seems like she had a good time. Like, and it kind of makes him feel jealous, it seems like, that she didn't have that bad of a time. And he knew he had a terrible time. That's the impression yeah. I got. Like, he didn't have a dance with anyone. She didn't catch up with anyone. They both lied to each other about what they did, so they're breaking the rules of open marriage Thursday to begin with. But neither of them did anything anyway. All I wrote for this episode for them was G and M have a Thursday. I love Gal and Mitch, so I'm always going to go into their storylines. Like, for me, they're just really secondary characters like i, I like again, mitch I've seen, i don't like gail i know more of mitch and gail than you know of mitch and gail so yeah. that's why i love this was that's why i'm invested in it now so that's why it feels like i'm paying more attention to it than it feels like it's worth i apologize but i'm gonna do it because i love them but we can jump back to our our heroes now if you'd like to where, where are we at with them 
Uh, we pretty much covered everything that happens in this commercial or commercial <laughs> in this episode with them, um, except for turning in of the project. Yeah, well, I mean, like, there's basically just like we already touched upon, like Joey and Betsy. Um, basically, I was like, hold on, I want to needs to hold on. I want to I want to clarify with you because I feel like this is the second episode in a row, and I want to make sure I'm not hearing you wrong. What are you saying, Joey's sister's name is? Betsy. No, Bessie. There's no T. Bessie? There's no T. Bessie? That's correct. Really? That's correct. That's a... That's a real name. Yeah, I almost said something worse. But it is a real name. Yeah, I don't like that. So that's fine. Anyway, you call her what you want. I'm just pointing I'm it I'm call her Betsy. That's... I like Betsy a lot more. Okay. I mean, it's basically the same name, but you do what you gotta do, buddy. Well, they had an explosive conversation, and I'm saying here... Betsy, she needs to speak her mind to Joey that she got hurt, that she, that Joey didn't want to take the advice from her, and she went to go see a different uh, lady to get the advice. And that was my biggest thing was like, hey, you're yelling at this kid for doing this, but you're not even like speaking your mind. I don't think we should forget that Bessie can't be any older than probably 23 or 24 herself. So it's, yeah, not, that's true. it's not like she's a grown woman who's got a lot of experience dealing with the same kind of shit family life that Joey did, except as an older child, which means she saw and understood even more of it than Joey did, was probably more involved with a lot of it than Joey was. They don't delve too deep into her perspective of it, but I give Bessie a lot of slack and a lot of turns because it was probably worse for her. Yeah, I mean, I get it when um, when we're thinking about the whole world that that is created with the creek. You're and... you're not wrong though. She should have just said like, "I wish you would have asked me what it was like to be a career woman instead of running off to someone who lives in a world that's so far away from our reality." Yeah, but she's also got to understand as a 15 year old girl who's looking for a dream. Why is she going to go to the place she works every day, even if it is her sister? She's going to want to go somewhere else, somewhere that feels like a dream. And it seemed like that, what was that, like an architecture firm? Or, like, what did she do, like, designs? I have no fucking clue what the person was that she went she to. She said she had an art degree or something. Maybe she just did design. She talked about, like, redoing all the menus and shit at the Ice House. Maybe just, like, a design. But they were t- they were doing the... She's probably just, like, a designer. But they were doing the floor layout for the restaurant, too. Like, like they were doing the blueprints. So, like, I don't know exactly what she did, but she was... Well, it was designing the, the area, and that was one of the things she was like, oh, well, I know that she works and like in this restaurant based on what I've little I've talked to her. So like, let me ask her if this layout looks like it makes sense. No, but that's what I'm saying. Most people that do the layout for the floor work of where the bar and the kitchen are going to be, that's architecture work. That's not just like, like menus and t-shirts and logos. Most companies that do the floor layouts and the architecture blueprint shit, they're not doing the menu design too. So that's where I'm like, I don't know what her company does. It yeah, but if really she's matter. a designer, she might she might have the ability to go, here's how we want to design it, and then talk to the architect and see if this makes sense. That seems like a pretty uncommon and not likely scenario, but let's just go with that's what it is, because she's making money, and Joey wanted to talk to her. I still don't even know who she was, like who knew her, and it was like, go talk to her. Like, where did she come from? And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think she ever comes back. 
No, yeah, I think it's just a throwaway she, character for she the show. does she does say Jen can come back and like intern there anytime and I've obviously already been wrong about this show you mean Joey I've, that's what I said um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I've already okay, me I've already been wrong about something on the show once so maybe she does come back and I just forgot but either way Joey, nah, I wouldn't Joey takes away a likely. lot. Joey takes away a lot from this. Dawson and Jen don't really take away anything from it um, in terms of like what they were supposed to. Uh, no, because Jen's just trying to fuck Dawson, and Dawson's just trying to get fucking through this thing. And they they get through, and he kicks her out, and his yeah. Lip, after she like makes or like we've already she kisses this. him, and then he's all like. Hey, I just want she's he's all like, what the fuck? And she's like, I want you to know that you have choices. She and she, I'm one of them. She asked to options. spend the night. She li- she was like, I just want to spend the night, you know, without winking. And she's like, wait, wink, wink, you know, like spend the night. And that's like, absolutely not. Like, I see what you're trying to do here. Can you just not do this? And she's like, yeah, and that's when she's like, yeah, just basically. If you want to fuck someone. Like, that's where I'm at right now. So just holler. I'm right next door. And Dawson ain't having it. He ain't having it. Which is the right thing here. And for so many reasons. Yeah. The right call. For every possible reason you can think of, I'm glad Dawson's not that kind of a guy. Because I don't... I'd like to think... Nah, Pacey's a better guy. He wouldn't take advantage of this either, I don't think. Because clearly Jen is just acting out. I think Pacey could I don't know. I mean maybe I'll maybe I'll get a little bit of insight once I hear these titles. Well what we're gonna find out exactly is we're gonna see what kind of guy Pacey is as we move forward as Tamara has showed back up. Miss Jacobs is back on the scene. He's got an age appropriate girl that he's starting to have this this click with and it seems like they're gonna start, you know, start something. And then this old pedophile comes back on the scene. You know, you know that's the thing, though. Pacey was in love with her. So it's not like her showing back up isn't going to complicate things. It is absolutely yeah. going to complicate things. Well, the first episode is called, and like I said, this would have been a spoiler had we seen things out of order. It, I looked, before I give it, I looked through the episode breakdown earlier of like what we'll be watching in three packs and shit. They're almost all perfect in terms of leaving off exactly when you want them to leave off. Like, it's going to be a good ride here. So, the next episode, episode four, Tamara's Return. So, oh, so that's obvious what we're going to get. We're so, what happens? Get, we're going to get Tamara's Return to, uh, what did you say this place was called? Capeside? Capeside. So, Tamara returns to Capeside, and Pacey's going to have this dilemma on whether or not. He should be banging his uh, first love, uh, Miss Jacobs. And Miss Jacobs is going to be like, oh, I came back for you, Pacey. I love you, Pacey. I need you, Pacey. I don't care that you're only 16, Pacey. You, so you think Tamara's going to go in and not, not like be... Oh, she's looking for that hard 16-year-old dick. So you don't think this is going to be, I see Pacey's doing something normal and appropriate. I'm just going to kind of step back. You think she's going in for the kill? She's going in hard. She's all like, Pacey, 
Either that or she's pregnant she, with Pacey's she's baby. She's going in hard. Oh, wait. Oh, oh. Pregnant with Pacey's baby. Now there is the prediction. It's a possibility. You're right, though. Why it else is. would she be back? You're right. That's Either that or she's either pregnant with Pacey's baby or she wants that hard 16-year-old dick. You ask a good question there that I kind of want to delve a little bit deeper into. Why would she come back? Do you think those are the reasons why she'd come back? Do you think there's another reason she might be back in Cape Side that isn't no Pacey-related? It's She's back in Cape Side for Pacey no matter what. Uh, it pretty much has to, because why would you come back to this town that you've pretty much been outed as you had sex with a student, even though the student's like, hey, I made this up, and it's like, like I, you've all got reason to believe that it's not real, but like she looked like she was ready to fold in that fucking courtroom. Oh, she was going to fold until Pacey showed up, for sure. Yeah. Which is why she's still in love with she him. She was going to be like, yeah, I was sucking this 15-year-old's dick. That's why they're What's in love up? with each other. So the next episode, episode five, Full Moon Rising. Uh, Well, that's obvious that there's either going to be uh, a mooning, someone's going to moon somebody, or this is going to be one of the classic Dawson's Creek horror episodes. I don't know which, but either way, we're going to see some naked ass or where it's going to be implied that we'll see some naked ass. I like that. At some point. I like that. Um, do you think there's any possible other implications from the term full moon rising or does it have to do with a naked butt or a werewolf only? Naked butt only. Okay. The episode... Potentially Werewolf if, if it's a, a horror-themed episode. Episode 6 brings us back to a familiar title territory with The Dance. It is high school, so there's going to be dances. So, obviously, this is going to be a big dance. It's going to be like the homecoming dance because they just went back to school, I'm guessing. And uh, this is probably in the fall, so homecoming makes sense. This is the same school year as the last season, remember, though, because the kiss came the next day. They're sophomores. It's got to be... I don't know what time of year it is. Maybe it's prom. I don't know. Maybe we'll get summer, like, throughout the, a big portion of this show. I don't know how the fuck that this show is based, because so far all I've seen it is they're in school the whole time, and fucking teachers, and you know serial rapist murderers i guess we have been in football season earlier with like cliff in them so that would have been fall time and then friday the 13th well they didn't say when friday the 13th was it was it doesn't matter but so the dance so what happens at the dance so it's just a good dance uh fucking pacey finally asks out andy to the dance uh abby's trying to work up the courage to ask jen to the dance when jen's trying to figure out a way to scheme into fucking dawson so are we and dawson and joey obviously go to the dance so a little expansion there then on something you just said and something i'd mentioned earlier are do you think abby is a lesbian or at least as you had predicted before questioning if she's bisexual or something do you think that she is and is interested in jen i would say she's questioning all of her she obviously she knows Jen is like a wild child right now and acting out. And if this is her time to experiment in life, then this would probably she's probably like, I got someone that I know will probably fucking be down if I just get her a couple of drinks. 
So she's overcompensating when she's sitting and bonding with Jen over all the hunky guys she used to fuck when they were overage and she was underage in New York. That's just her, like, placating This is the way to bond with her right, and to right, learn right. more about her. She doesn't care about the guys. She cares about thinking about Jen. I don't know. Maybe she does think about the guys, too. She likes the guys. She's, she's obviously into guys, so... How? It's How not is that, that obvious? When has she ever been with a guy? She's only talked about guys, and we know Abby's a lot of talk. I guess that's true. I don't know. Based on what she said, we can say... Based on what if she we're said, supposed to take what she says at face value. Based on what she said, I think we can tell right now that you don't take Abby at face value. She's full of shit. Well, and that's what I'm saying. She might be into Jen. That's fair. Um, well, that that just about wraps up what we're doing here on Creek Chat. Uh, thanks for coming along and listening to episode one of season two. Uh, we'll be back next Monday with uh, episode two, where we'll cover four through six. And until then... We be creaking! creaking.